Welcome to the VQA podcast, a conversation between two friends who talk a lot about wine and need someone to listen. Hello and welcome everyone to the very first episode of the VQA podcast. My name is Manuel, aka Manny. And over here I have Tash. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're super excited to be here. And on this first episode, we wanted to introduce ourselves and let you know who we are. Um, and let you know what this podcast is all about. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things wine, but specifically uh, more about the Niagara region. Uh, we're going to talk about their wines and their wineries and what we think the Niagara region is so special to us and to other people. We're going to taste and talk about a couple of wines we brought in today. This is so exciting. First episode. Yeah. In Manny's basement. Yeah. <laughs> Some delicious wine. Um... Yeah, hi everyone, thanks for joining. Um, the reason we're kind of here today is just talk about things that we love and share with all of our listeners why Niagara is so special, what we love about it, and why we think you'll love it, um, slash already do. But basically, I started my career in restaurants 10 years ago now in a diner in Waterloo, <laughs> a diner, a diner serving up scrambled eggs and bacon, um, eventually made my way into management and decided to do the CAPS program. Uh, so I did that at Niagara College one year after Manny did it. Yeah. Or two you, years. Yeah, no, the year after. The yeah. year after he did it. Um, and then immediately after the CAPS exam, drove to Montreal and did the CMS exam. So that was in 2017, so I've been certified since then, worked in Toronto as a SOM, and worked in Niagara Lake, Niagara on the Lake as a SOM, and that's where I met Manny. Yeah. Yeah, so as Tash said, um, I also did the CAPS program. The CAPS is the Canadian Association of Professional Somalias, and uh, did it at Niagara College as well the year before, and graduated. Um, I was already working in the restaurant industry as well. Uh, serving and uh, yeah that's where I sort of took the passion about wine and decided to go with it and make it something more than just a hobby type of thing mm -hmm. and then uh, yeah I ended up working in Niagara on the lake as well and then did my uh, CMS certification exam the year after a couple of years later I took a little break in between we have this shared passion and hobby and career, and we felt like uh, we wanted to share it with the world. So yeah, because our spouses are sick of <laughs> listening to us talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> they just take advantage and drink it. That's a little bit about us. Um, and as you can tell by now, these podcasts is supposed to be something super casual, fun. Um, there's gonna be a little bit of geeky moments here and there mm -hmm. because in the world wine a lot of things about chemistry and geography and geology and things like that but at the same time we want this to be a fun experience and not so dry yeah so i that mean everybody can enjoy it let's be real psalms are just nerds but they're wine nerds so we're i guess we have a little bit more <laughs> cool points but we're still nerds at the end of the day. The, yeah, at the end of the day, we are still nerds. Well, Manuel and I both listen to a lot of wine podcasts, and we would often, like, go into work and talk about the episodes we listened to that day and what we liked about it, and what we found was that there's kind of a void 
where Canadian wine comes into play that there's not a there's no podcasts that focus specifically on Canadian wine which is what we want to do with you know a larger focus on Niagara um, since that's where we are but Canadian wine I feel like in most podcasts is referred to as an aside it's like oh yeah there's some stuff in Canada too but like first of all it's a huge country you can't just say oh they're making this in Canada like where Right. Right? Like, Okanagan versus Prince Edward County is such a big difference. But also, I just think Niagara in general has been discounted in the modern wine scene because people are judging it based on what they had in, like, the 80s and early 90s when it was just coming into its own. And when a wine region is in its infancy, you can't you can't judge its its wine based on that, right? Wine is something that takes years. The grapes have to mature. The, the vines have to mature. You know, you have to get in the swing of things with, with vintages and winemakers. And so I think that now Niagara has so much to offer and it's being discounted. Um, also, I think that people love, tend to love, most consumers like warm climate wines. And yeah. they're coming into Niagara Wines thinking, oh, this Cabernet is going to be like a Cali Cab, when it's not. And people are saying they, they don't like it because it's not the same. Well, you know what? It's great because it's not the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's something that um, I, I tell a lot of my guests when they're coming from somewhere else, the States or another country, and they want to taste Niagara. And I always tell them, okay, this is great. But this Pinot Noir is Niagara Pinot Noir. So I want you to almost forget everything you know about Pinot Noir from other places, call it California or mm -hmm. France, because this is its own thing, all right? So you're gonna find something unique that it might be new to you and possibly you might end up liking it, loving it, you might not, but at the end of the day, I want you to sort of not compare it to mm -hmm. other Pinot Noirs from other regions because it's it, its own. It's apples and oranges, right? Yeah. That's why I love, Manuel and I also both worked at Big Head in Niagara-on-the-Lake. And what I love about doing the guided tastings there is everything is given blind to the guest. And I love that because there's so much bias in wine. I mean, we have biases with everything we consume, whether it's food or wine or pop, you know. There's people that are diehard Pepsi and diehard Coke. It's the same thing with wine, but if you give it to someone blind where they don't know what's in their glass, those biases are erased. So people have more of an open mind. So it was always really fun to give, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when you're doing those guided tastings at Big Head, it's so fun to see how people react yeah. when they're like, I hate Merlot. It's the worst. And then you give them Merlot and they don't know it's Merlot. Yeah, they're they're God, like, this is this. delicious. This yeah. Is. Um, there is a lot of very cool things about the Niagara region and I think um, that as you mentioned it we were new we're still new we're still trying to figure out mm -hmm. but um, what I really enjoy about living and working and drinking Niagara is that sort of the diversity that we have that we sometimes don't realize because you go to Niagara and in one winery you taste three whites three reds sparkling ice wine mm -hmm. and all kinds of different grape varieties like you start with Riesling, Chardonnay, Viognier and then they have Merlot and Cabernet and Pinot and traditional methods sparkling wines and so like we are 
one of the most diverse regions, not only in what we grow and the styles of wine that we make, but also in the sort of setting that we have here uh, mm -hmm. of soils yeah. and altitude the and mesoclimates and the microclimates. Yeah, yeah so something uh, it's, it's very unique. Our, we're super north. Right, so we're considered to be a cool climate, viticultural area or region, um, and a lot of people. Uh, sometimes you go to other places and it's like, "Yeah, I'm from Niagara. We make all of these wine." And they're like, "What? I didn't even know you guys made mm -hmm. wine over there, right?" And uh, yeah, that's another thing that 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 we want to to get out of these podcasts for everybody listening is to sort of make them aware that we over here are making wine and it is actually very very good and, <laughs> and it's it, not all ice wine <laughs> it's not all ice wine and uh and it's a pretty pretty nice little place that we are um yeah so like there's great restaurants great wineries great everything i think that's a really good point i th i find it really fun here is the diversity of the wine culture here in the wine region here and all the different wineries they are so diverse like you can have a young natural forward low intervention winemaker down the block from someone who is super super traditional right and doing everything the european way and you're both both are making fantastic delicious delicious wines but they're so different yeah yeah and and the winemaking styles like you said uh like for for instance, we have wineries such as Beja that we mentioned, or the Foreigner for a winery, doing Apacimento and being um, the Apacimento style, their signature winemaking style. Whereas we have other wineries such as Q mm -hmm. uh, that specialize in sparkling wine, and and that's yep. what they're known for. And they have like five or six different traditional method sparkling wines, mm -hmm. and then. Um, just up the road there you have Malivoire that is known for Gamay mm -hmm. and now they have um, four different bottlings of Gamay Noir from different vineyards each one expressing their unique terroir so I mean it's incredible you drive down the road you see five wineries all doing all different things in all kinds of different techniques and winemaking styles mm -hmm. and I mean it's incredible you can you pretty much cover everything and mm -hmm. in, in 500 meters <laughs> down in, in in Niagara so I mean that's super cool super exciting sometimes I think we take it for granted mm -hmm. a little for bit sure. for yeah. sure and I think I mean I I definitely do I think most people do get stuck in like kind of a rut and tend to always buy the same wines or drink the same wines and you don't realize how tired your palate is until you have something that's so different than what you usually drink and you're like oh wow yeah like my taste buds just woke up that's delicious but I think something we need to touch on for sure is like the main varietals in Niagara um, because it is a cool climate region same thing can kind of be said for Prince Edward County um, the four main varietals are Chardonnay and Riesling and Pinot Noir and Cabernet Franc yeah um, those all do really well in cool climate and can have a lot of finesse and elegance when you understand your climate and you have a good winemaker. Um, so that's why we do so well with sparkling because we do have such a cool climate. Um, it, it would be, I would say that we're pretty similar to the Finger Lakes. Like they're a lot younger than we are in terms of winemaking, but a lot of the styles are the same and the varietals are the same. Yeah. 
for sure they're definitely a smaller region but if yeah. i were to compare to new world like compare another new world region to us it would be finger lakes yeah i mean they they do grow up right on the same varieties <laughs> and it's really close um but uh now that you say i'm gonna drop in some some uh geeky facts Love because it. i guess the biggest difference between the finger La finger lakes and the niagara peninsula is the lake influence mm -hmm. and they i say the region is called the finger lakes they have a bunch of different little lakes that surround sort of the area whereas we over here have a huge lake uh to the north and also a river and a river so um we have lake ontario on the north and then the niagara river to the east and then the Welland River and Hamilton to the south and west. So we're kind of surrounded by a lake, two yeah. rivers, and then escarpment. Escarpment, yeah. Um, to the south. So as you can imagine, we're kind of like a little peninsula surrounded by water and then a little bit of an escarpment, which gives us elevation. Um, the elevation is about 177 meters or 575 feet above sea level and um, something that is super unique is that if you are in the escarpment a lot of it a lot of the vineyards planted are on a north facing slope which is weird mm -hmm. and unique to us given that if you go to most wine regions in the northern hemisphere if you have a, an elevation all of the vineyards will be planted on south and southeast facing slopes just to sort of get the most sun and sunlight hours possible right but here because of the way that we're situated we're actually on north facing slopes and um, I think that's super unique and we still get the grapes ripe mm -hmm. because of our location and, and the weather uh, yep. patterns also the escarpment kind of acts as a little pocket for warm air and so a lot of that warm air coming off the lake will just sit at the base of the escarpment where a lot of the vines are so especially in kind of the beamsville jordan lincoln that whole area along the bench there will be warmer than you know niagara on the lake and the wineries down there because they do have that escarpment holding in those pockets of warm air yeah yeah and um another um sort of piece of information in there is really cool and um you can get all of this information in the uh, vqa website they have it a, a pretty good summary of all of the different climate factors and soils and uh, topography and all of that stuff that we don't want to bore you too much with but <laughs> yeah. it's important to mention that uh we are located in the north 43rd latitude um and the diurnal shifts here which is the the sort of the the difference between the daytime temperatures and the nighttime temperatures uh it's huge sometimes mm -hmm. especially in the spring and the fall or harvest like you can have i guess most canadians if you're listening are pretty used to this and think it's crazy it could be 30 degrees during the day and then it could be five degrees in the night mm -hmm. and um that is important for a lot of different reasons um, but for during the daytime, I mean, you have high temperatures with a lot of sunshine, which keeps the, the heat and, and makes the, make the grapes go ripe. Yeah. And then at night you have these cooler temperatures, which are going to allow you to retain a lot of the acidity and yeah. a lot of the structure in the final wine. So, 
um, that's an advantage to us in terms of uh, um, weather or mi mm -hmm. microclimates. To compare it to, uh, for, for instance, if you go down to a hot climate, a warm climate like Chile or Napa Valley, sometimes they have uh, high temperatures during the day and then high temperatures during the night and that's how you get like those very big and fruity wines, mm -hmm. which uh, we definitely don't see a lot of here. <laughs> Um, I wanted to just touch on that 43 degrees that you mentioned. Yeah. Is that not the same as a French region? Yeah. Or very I mean, similar to? We're very close in terms of latitude to uh, northern Burgundy and, and Champagne. And Champagne. Yeah. So we kind of fall in, in between there. So in terms of location in the earth, I mean, we are sort of the same as two of the most regarded mm -hmm. and important regions in the world of wine so for sure and they are cool climate yeah as well so and if and if you've ever been to the niagara peninsula if you've never been we definitely recommend you uh coming down and taste some wines but um if you've ever been to the niagara peninsula i'm pretty sure that everybody's got uh, uh, a moment where they went to a winery picked up a glass of wine and they're like wow i can't believe i'm drinking Canadian wine right now and I'm loving it mm -hmm. because all I used to drink was I don't know Italian or yeah. Californian wine and this is great yeah and uh yeah I mean I've had a couple of those moments where I was for uh, sure at a tasting room and it's like this is unbelievable yeah 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 so, uh, absolutely I would say most of the moments I've had like that with Niagara wine are with Riesling Riesling yeah and like especially old Niagara Riesling there's just something about it I don't, I don't know if it's because the acid is so high when it's bottled. It just preserves so well. And you drink one that's 10 years old, and yeah. it just blows my mind. Yeah, so as, as Natasha said, um, Riesling and Chardonnay being two of the most important, or the two most important varieties that we grow here, mm -hmm. I have to mm -hmm. say that Riesling also for me was one of those wines that I was like, this is amazing. But I think Chardonnay has... A little bit uh, more of a special place in my yeah. heart and <laughs> palate um, and we're all tasting a Chardonnay today that we're gonna uh, talk about in a little bit but um, there is also a um, festival let's call it festival celebration it's a celebration sure. <laughs> that's, I think that's in the name right international they, cool climate Chardonnay celebration is this celebration? It's four, C's. it's four C's I know what's the fourth C yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Chardonnay has a, a very, very uh, special place in the Niagara Peninsula. Oh, it is celebration. Celebration. There You're you right. Go. We're celebrating Chardonnay. Um, and um, the I4C, as, as we call it, is uh, an international celebration. People from all over the world come here mm -hmm. to Niagara to drink Chardonnay, talk about Chardonnay and wine in general. But... Specifically um, cool climate. Specifically cool climate. And you have people coming from Champagne, from Chablis, Burgundy, yeah. Sonoma. Yeah. I mean, you name it. If they grow Chardonnay in cool climate, they're here. Yeah. And uh, that goes to show how important the Niagara region is in terms of, of Chardonnay and the wine world in general. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I just want to point out the fact that Manny and I never use our full names ever. Right. And so far multiple times in this episode we've called each other by our full names <laughs> yeah i don't know why that's happening i don't think manny's ever actually called me tash it's always some wine themed nickname that has tash in it um 
So I think we should just get into the wine. Yeah. Because All right. really the fun part about it. Yeah. So um, we picked for the for this first episode uh, two wines here that uh, we consider are the two most important varieties in Niagara at the moment, mm -hmm. and that what we think we grow the best and we do the best job at it. So we have uh, Chardonnay from uh, Flat Rock Cellars called the Rusty Shed 2017. I will point out both of these wines are available at the LCBO, uh, however, in a different vintage. So the Flat Rock Rusty Shed is available right now. The 2018 vintage is available at the LCBO and that's $27. That's the one I'll be talking about. Just in general, Flower is pretty cool because they are the 20 mile bench. So that's along that escarpment that we were talking about. Um, and they're a gravity flow winery. So essentially what that means is they're a sustainable winery and sustainable vineyard, meaning that they aim to have the lowest impact on the environment that they can have. So that includes the chemicals that they use, the amount of chemicals, their waste management, um, vineyard practices, and then also, you know, they have this gravity flow design that helps them not to use so much energy in the winemaking process. So that basically means that the grapes are picked, they're brought to the highest point of the winery, and then the rest of the winemaking process happens with the flow of gravity. So then eventually they end up in barrel at the lowest point of the winery before okay. it's bottled. What does that do to the wine? Using gravity as a tool, mm -hmm. how does that sort of translate into taste or? Well, it's much gentler on the wine. So when you're pressing, you don't really even, because the, the juice is already running right. down with gravity. What would you say that it has, what effect it has on the taste? Well, there's a couple of theories of people using pumps and gravity. And right, yeah, they don't use pumps. They use like pichage, obviously, so they use, you know, good old manpower to push down the cap. Yeah. They're not pumping. So what sometimes, um, but using pumps, I mean, you're manipulating the wine with the wine in some way that, that uh, might allow for... Oxygenation? Uh, yeah, like a little bit of oxygen. So what happens is when the wine is fermenting or done fermenting because of the uh, production of carbon dioxide or CO2, you have a little protection from oxygen. So when you're, I guess, uh, using pumps, you're allowing some sort of air to come through. Uh, and it's sort of like, I've read somewhere that it's almost like you're bruising the wine a little bit because right. you're sort of like pushing it through this pump system to get it to another vessel type thing. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, like, I, I just, to me, it's all about delicacy. I feel like it preserves the delicacy of the wine, like, with Pinot, especially, which is something Flat Rock also does really well, it's so floral, and I feel like you would lose some of that delicate floral characteristic if you're just pumping over, getting all that oxygen in there. I feel like it would just, you're like decanting the wine yeah, <laughs> before you decant yeah, the wine. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Gravity Flow, um, this is the Rusty Shed label, so specifically the Rusty Shed is fully barrel fermented, lees aged, and stirred will undergo anywhere from 50 to 100% malolactic fermentation, depending on the composition of grapes at harvest. They use French oak, and the rusty shed is made to improve with age. So they, it still has quite a bit of acidity to it when it's bottled, and what that will do is preserve the wine and allow it to last for a while. Like I said, we're drinking 2017, and it's, 
it's beautiful right now in 2021. I feel like it could even probably go five to 10 more years because it does have that beautiful acidity. Also the oak rounds it out, just has a really beautiful palette. Still really nice fruit to it. This is super nice and I, and I do see why it is made to age. Um, and then the Chardonnay grapes, fun fact, um, at Flat Rock are from two Burgundy clones planted using two different rootstocks. Cool. Yeah. So That's basically fun. we're drinking Burgundy, right? <laughs> yeah, but cheaper. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Like I said in the beginning, don't compare this to... Old World. Uh, old World or Chardonnay from other places. Like this is this is very, very good. Spectacular wine. It is. Um, and what you said about uh, clones from Burgundy, what happens is that Burgundy um, is the birthplace and holy place of Chardonnay, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that they take clones from over there that are considered to be the most sort of efficient in terms of growing and flavors and and they export them to other places. So you'll find Burgundy clones of Pinot and Chardonnay mm -hmm. in California and Sonoma, uh, over here in Niagara, New Zealand. So yeah. everywhere that grows high quality Pinot and Chardonnay, you'll see oh, this is a Dijon clone or whatever clone yeah. from Burgundy, right? Similarly, like, that happens here a lot with Riesling as well. Like, for Vineland, for example, they brought over um, clones, like Riesling clones from Germany, yeah. from Mosul. And, you you know, same thing, but just with another higher echelon yeah. region that is known for that varietal. Um, just going to talk about 2017 a bit, the vintage that the Chardonnay is. It has been hailed recently as one of the best... I would say one of the best vintages in the Niagara region in recent history. Um, grape growers and winemakers, I think, are both saying that. The reason for that being that the summer was awful. I don't know if you guys remember. I remember. It was so rainy. There was flooding. Like, Prince Edward County had a literal state of emergency because of all the flooding that was happening. A lot of um, southeastern Ontario, even, like, Quebec so much flooding there's so much rain and then magically all of a sudden september october november dry and hot and sunny long nice warm days which is amazing because that's what you want when you know harvest comes in september and october you want your grapes to be ripe and delicious and dry you want them to be diluted with all that water there's no molds right it would kill off all the mold so it was pretty much exactly what you could ask for in that harvest season I feel like that really shows. It is, it's ripe, but it's not like overbearingly ripe. No, I mean, it's drinking, like you said, it has great texture. So one mm -hmm. of the first things I personally look or taste for um, in wine is, mm -hmm. is texture and how it does it feel in my mouth. Even before I look for what does this taste like, I look for what does, does this it feel, feel like yeah. in, my, in my palate. And this wine is, it's got this round, creamy, full texture. Yeah but still very delicate and very sort of, um, I don't want to say thin because that's not a good descriptor, but very uh, fine. Like the finesse on this yeah, wine. Yeah, it's very elegant shows. for sure. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of lemon meringue pie. Yeah. Because you have that tartness of the curd and it is so lemon, this wine, but it is, it is still like ripe. So it'd be like ripe lemon, but then you have that creamy, voluptuous, meringue on top of it but you almost have that from the oak and from the texture in yeah it's like the meringue was a little toasted, toasted. with a torch yeah there, right? so you get that little hint of oak yeah and, and that, that yeah for sure 
Yeah, no, it's great, and, and I've, I've been a fan of that rusty Chardonnay, tasting over a few vintages, and, and it's always a wine that you can count on, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you get a bottle of rusty shed and you like Chardonnay, you pretty much can be sure that you're going to be happy when you open that bottle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Then, like like you said, like, the, the citrusy notes are very much still there. But they are super well balanced with the sort of ripeness of it. So you can find a little bit of that ripe honeycrisp apple and pineapple yeah. and maybe a touch of like mango slipping in through the, yeah. the background there because like you said it was it's a ripe wine, right? Yeah. But it's not it's so creamy too though. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Um, kudos to Flat Rock for mm -hmm. making this wine. Yeah, so they have a female assistant winemaker. Yay. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, that's still just, and I think definitely a, a typical, like a good archetype of what a Niagara Chardonnay is with this consistency from flat rock year after year. It really is a great example. Yeah. So, uh, we have a couple of bottles of the rusty shit at Treadwell right now from the 2009 vintage. Yes. And 2009 can be compared a little bit to 2017 because sure. it wasn't considered to be a super hot vintage. However, it had one of those nice falls or harvests where it was dry and long and warm. And that wine from 2009 is drinking beautifully as mm -hmm. well. Um, we don't have a lot of those bottles left, but um, if you happen to listen to this podcast and then come to Treadwell, definitely check it out because it's it's definitely an experience like oh, the wine sure. is developed now it's a little bit nuttier mm -hmm. you have a little bit of that cardamom sort of like almost spicy saffrony totally caramel yeah, tea we like that. i mean it's complex it's delicious <laughs> it's still fresh and citrusy the acid backbone is incredible and i'm getting very excited about that i right. know we yeah. should open that <laughs> next time next time next time love the 09 like I said, these wines totally are made to age. They're great young too, but I just think the experience is so elevated when you have them a little bit older. They're just so delicious. And I will say as an aside, everything we're talking about, all the links will be posted um, in the bio. So whatever we mentioned today that has a link, we'll post the link down below. And don't forget to follow the Instagram, the VQA podcast. The VQA, so it's V. Q E H because we're Canadian, A, A? right? <laughs> yeah, so follow the Instagram page, um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna post links and also um, a little bit of information. So for those of you who might be uh, newer to wine or listening to the podcast, when Tash talk about lease and all those things, if you were not sure or just would like to learn what that is in different terms. Uh, definitely leave us a comment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll post some show notes below, but always yeah. feel free to reach out. Yeah, reach out, post a comment and, and questions. We love questions. That's what we live <laughs> for when we go to a table or Seriously. a tasting bar. Yeah, questions. We love to geek out about things. Um, yeah, so the next one that we have here is from Hidden Bench. I just smelled it and I'm like freaking out. Yeah, it smells so good. Uh, Hidden Bench, uh, Estate Pinot Noir. Uh, 2019, so it's the newest release or newest vintage available at the LCBO as well. Uh, it's around 35 bucks, $33, yep. 35 35 bucks. yeah. Um, in the vintages area, 
Um, and um, to me personally, Hidden Bench is the reference in terms of high quality Pinot Noir in the Niagara region, along with a couple of other wineries and producers yeah. that do a great job. But Absolutely. Hidden Bench uh, definitely a benchmark is for sure. talking about the Beansville Bench Appellation up in the Escarpment. And um, Hidden Bench um, is also a certified organic operation, so all of their vineyards are certified organic and and some are biodynamic right they some they do have, they have yeah, some biodynamic practices practices mm -hmm. correct they're not fully biodynamic but they do practice a little bit of that as well if you have any questions about biodynamics we have plan of doing an episode on these sort of topics biodynamics yep. and organics and things like that mm -hmm. but definitely leave us a, a, a question or a comment or if there's anything you want us to talk about in an episode yeah for sure. We love suggestions. Definitely. So let's get into this wine. Everything that they do and produce is state grown, meaning that they don't purchase grapes from other growers and or farms. Uh, they grow everything themselves and they have three very renowned vineyards for Pinot Noir and this is a blend of all three. So they have the Locust Lane as well as their Felsic and Rosamel vineyards. So they take all of those grapes and then make this blend to make the estate Pinot Noir. It's unfiltered, like all of their wines, I believe. Um, and it is incredible, right? Like this wine is exploiting on the nose as young as it is. And it's, we just poured it basically into the glass. Yeah. It's already singing. And it, it almost has that old world funk, like not quite, but it does. And I feel like that's probably because it is unfiltered. Yeah, I mean... And I, that's a totally a good thing. I don't mean that. <laughs> for those people that are like, what? Is this sort of funk in terms of complexity into the wine? So it's not yeah. like you're just smelling fruit and oak kind of thing. It's There's there's something else in this wine, right? 2019 as a vintage was good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't the greatest like 2017. But it was definitely a well-balanced year. It wasn't super hot and it wasn't super cold. And we had enough rain, but we didn't have too much rain. And you could tell that because this Pinot has lower alcohol. I mean that it's just obviously shows that it was a cooler vintage as well. You have a lot of these really bright red fruit coming through, right? A lot of raspberry, strawberry, sour cherry. Yeah. Man, the acidity is crazy in this wine. That tan the tannin is the sexiest part about it. Yeah. There is like this fine, fine grip that I totally did not expect for I mean, I love, I'm not discounting Hidden Bench, but like, because it's so young, you would think it would be a little bit harsher, but it really is so harmonized. Yeah, no, it's well balanced. I mean, all of their wines are, are made like this, right? Oh, and for sure. They use lower intervention practices in the winery as well. So it's not like you're going to see them put a bunch of stuff into the yeah, wine. Not a lot of manipulation. Uh, no, not at all. And uh, this is oak age for about 12 months. Uh, so you're going to get a little influence of oak into this wine, not a lot, and it's not all new either. So um, there's a little bit of that hint of baking spice, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg coming through as well. I get a lot of fresh herbs on it as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's coming from the cooler-ish vintage, right? Yeah. So you get a little bit of that herbaceousness that, mm -hmm. that I feel not every wine should have, but it definitely gives you, if it's the right herbs, like 
it, it gives just the wine a little bit more complexity. Complexity, that, yeah. That absolutely. makes it a little bit more savory and fruit friendly as well. Mm-hmm. What yeah. Would, what this, would you have with this wine? I would probably have salmon. Yeah. I feel like salmon would be delicious. I'm feeling like. Even pork? Would you have pork? Yeah, like I pork think, tenderloin. I think even like roasted pork mm-hmm. with your classic potato asparagus even you know like yeah yeah i mean salmon like that sounds, meat and potatoes yeah meat and potatoes but with pork i suppose but if you put like that sort of uh barbecue salmon maybe mm-hmm. like cedar plank salmon on a barbecue yeah that will go fantastic with this for yeah sure. this is this wine's great because it it really you it can do like fish and and white meat but because it it has really beautiful body and it has some smokiness to it and it has a little bit of tannin it could do some leaner red meats for example pork even beef tenderloin yeah beef tenderloin with a delicate like braised cabbage yeah throw some bernays on that yeah we're into it yeah we're getting hungry <laughs> you know what? we didn't talk about food pairings for the chardonnay what are you what do you I think know. for the chardonnay honestly i really want a big bowl of popcorn with it yeah i'm not gonna lie i want some buttery popcorn with that chardonnay no the chardonnay's great um, or even sole meunier yeah a meunier sauce to me is just like so friggin good any seafood you do lobster with that yeah, you I was, do i was thinking a lobster bisque crab you do yeah. anything that's rich and buttery i think is gonna do so well with that yeah or chowder yeah like even a pasta like seafood pasta I think that's it. Seafood pasta, little yeah. bit of uh, clams, yeah, shrimp, yeah, butter sauce, lemon butter sauce. Oh yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. I think we get almost as excited about food as we oh, do yeah. about wine. Which is also an episode coming up. We're gonna do an entire episode of food and wine pairings and the way they work chemically and all of that stuff, which yeah. is gonna be funny. Some of our favorite pairings. Yeah. Yeah. Hidden Bench, if you haven't been, definitely give them a, a visit. Um, like I said, they have uh, different uh, bottlings of Pinot Noir, so they do all of these vineyards in their single vineyard bottling. So you have the Rossumel, the Felsic, and the Lux Lane on their own, and they're incredible wines. Like I said, some of the best I've ever had. And yep. again, these wines can age. Like, mm-hmm. if I had an opportunity to taste some older vintages. Oh, they're back vintage is so good. 07, it's great. Yeah. Uh, 2010, is, if you're looking for like a bigger Pinot with age, it's fantastic. 2014, yeah. it's awesome. I uh, will say that they also, they make a really amazing rosé from their Locust Lane Pinot yeah. called the Locust Lane Rosé, and it is currently in the LCBO. So go snatch that up if you haven't already yet, because it'll go fast and it is absolutely delicious. And with that, I think we're coming up to the end of the episode. We're going to go enjoy the rest of this wine. Yeah, we're going to drink a little more. Go grab these wines um, because they're delicious. And hopefully you make some delicious food. And if you <laughs> did, a little comment of what you made with this, uh, with these wines. Yeah, tell us your pairings. That's yeah, fun. tell us your pairings. And, and we'll see you on the next episode of the VQA podcast. Cheers. Cheers to you.